you have your Bibles this morning, and you will find 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Last week we started a series titled The Danger of Me, Myself, and I. And uh, we started to look at this idea that the greatest danger that we face is ourselves. And we looked at three things last week, and we looked at how we have to watch out when it becomes about us. When it becomes about what I want, what I feel, what I think, I am in a very dangerous place. That's what we saw with King Saul. Then we looked last week about when it becomes about us, it begins to hinder what God wants to do in our lives and through us. And so we remember Jonathan said that the victory would have been greater if the people had just eaten some honey or something to refresh them. And then we looked, it goes from being all about us to hindering what God wants to do to then causing outright sin against God. And we looked at that slippery slope that the answer was to keep our eyes on Jesus. But when that begins to not happen, it's a slippery slope that happens every time. It's, you're, it's unavoidable. Today, if you're here saying, Jake, I won't end up that way, look up here. You will. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. The moment that you take your eyes off Jesus, it becomes about you. When it becomes about you, it then leads to being hindering what God wants to do. And eventually, you will find yourself in outright sin against God. And we looked at that story last week, and the people were so hungry, they were so famished, they began to eat the animals with the blood. And, and that that's what God commands them not to do in the Old Testament. And so what Saul meant as an oath, a rash statement, not what God said, ends up not just leading him into sin, but the whole army of God, the whole nation of Israel. And so uh, we looked last week about how our sin doesn't just stay with us. But today we're looking at part two, and I think it's fitting on Mother's Day, because the danger of me, myself, and I, and if you're taking a subheading, don't destroy your family and those that you love. Don't destroy your family and those that you love. You see, we looked last week about how Saul's sin brought this awful situation on the nation. But today, we're going to look about how Saul's rash oath, his sinful desires, almost brought the death of his son. And so today, as a parent, as, as a friend, as a spouse, I don't want you to think about the, what the danger of sin does to the nation. I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about your home today. I want you to think about your marriage today. Your life. And I want you to look up here and listen that when you start this slippery slope, it's not going to just affect people 10,000 miles around the world. It's going to affect the people sitting next to you in those chairs. It's going to affect the people that sit at your dinner table. 
And so today, I really want to hopefully show you what the danger is, but also how to avoid it. You see, when things fall apart around us, we want them to be fixed. When we want to look good in front of others, no matter the cost, when we put ourselves in a tight spot and then the pressure begins to build, it is in those moments that can destroy the ones that we love, our homes, our church family, the people that we care about. You see, listen to what it said there in verses 33 of 1 Samuel chapter 14. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. So pray with me this morning as we seek the Lord's will and not destroying the family and those that we love. Father, today I come to you thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for what he has done for us. Lord, I thank you for who you are and how you work, Lord, in spite of us. And so, Father, today I pray that as I continue just, Lord, to uh, expound upon your word verse by verse, Lord, that you would speak to your people today, Lord, uh, that you would deal with your people, Lord, as you have already had to deal with me. And so, Father, I pray that you would save, that you would revitalize, that you would do what only you could do. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today I want to tell you that before I preach this sermon, um, Thursday night uh, up until 3.30 uh, in the morning, the Lord and I uh, had to do some business right here. Uh, because the Lord told me, Jake, you can't preach this sermon. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know if you know this or not. not this wasn't audible, okay. This is, this is in the spirit, just, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's hard to skip a half a chapter. It's going to be quite noticeable when I come in and say, I was supposed to preach this, but the Lord said, if I preach it, I am the world's biggest hypocrite. And, um, and so the Lord and I had to do some serious business, and so tonight I want you to know, uh, this, as you think about this sermon over the next day, or the hope of the next week, that if it's for no one else, it was for me. And so I want to give you some notes this morning, and I, and I hope that you will walk through this with me this morning. The first thing I want to show you this morning from this text is, and it's kind of long, the, the, the sermon notes are a little long today, when we don't see a way out or forward, we become more dangerous to ourselves and to those that we love. Don't miss that. When we don't see a way out or a way forward, we become more dangerous to ourselves and to those that we love. Look here in verses 34 through 40 with me this morning. Then Saul said, Disperse yourself among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox, and every man's sheep, slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar 
that he built to the Lord. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, you be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. If you remember, God had gave the children of Israel a victory on the battlefield. And as they retreated and as they ran, the children of Israel pursued them. And this situation happens. And Saul brings the people together and says, okay, all right, we, you, you eat, we're going to sacrifice and worship to God. But he says, after we've got our second win, guess what it's time to do? It's time to go whip up on the Philistines some more. We're going to go and continue this great, wonderful victory that God has given us. The people say, whatever you want sounds good to us. But a priest makes a statement and says, maybe... Just maybe we should ask what the Lord wants. Well, in this moment, Saul is thinking, well, that's not a big deal. God has given us the victory. Jonathan climbed up a hill, him and two, one other man, and beat a, a whole garrison. Uh, wh why would God not answer? And something happens. God doesn't answer. You see, in this moment, Saul realizes something, that God is not with him in this situation. You say, well, I'm glad that Saul genuinely repented and got right with God. No, I believe that why Saul was so upset is because everybody knew that God wasn't with him right now, that God wasn't speaking to him, that there was something going on that was wrong, and it embarrassed him. You see, you know how I know that? Because back when the people surrounded him, he was worried about being king. When Jonathan won the battle and the people begin to run away, and Saul says, bring the ark of God and let's put our hand uh, near it so that we can hear God's direction. If you remember, he did that just long enough to see the enemy run away. And he thinks, I'm going to miss a chance to be the victorious general. Don't worry about what God says. Let's go to battle. You see, friends, it was in that moment when the stress was on, when Saul wanted God to give him validation, that God said nothing. And did you hear, Jonathan, that Saul's response? He says, I don't know who's responsible for this, but that person is going to die. You see, friends, in the moment, Saul 
again begins to put bondage over the people. His wrath, rash oath of no one's going to eat today or whoever has done this is going to die today. I mean, think about this. The self-destructive nation, uh, nature of Saul is not just affecting everybody else. It's now affecting the people that he loves the most. And friends, in your life and in mine, when things get overwhelming, when the stress is unbearable, when people are talking evil about you, when sin has been done to you, when you've been hurt, when you've been discouraged, when you feel like everyone is looking at you and the mistakes or failures of your life. Friends, it's in those moments of tension, of pressure, that we are in great danger of going from making it all about us to hindering what God is doing, from committing sin. And as we looked last week, Desire leads to sin, and when sin is conceived and it grows, then it leads to death. You see, friends, today the greatest danger you will put yourself in is when you get to this point, when you don't see a way out, when you don't see a way forward, when you don't think it is possible to see a victory, when you don't think it's possible for God to heal, when you don't think it's possible for God to restore, it just gets worse. And if you've never been there in your life, I am thankful for you. I am, I am glad that you've been there. But if you're honest today, you have probably been there, whether it's in your marriage or your finances or your relationship or the church or the people you live next to, the people you work with, and you ask yourself, it cannot get any worse. I can't take any more. I just cannot do this any longer. Friends, it is in those moments when the tendencies and danger is the greatest. But I want to caution you today that you need to be careful who you lead into sin with you. Listen to what John chapter 9 verses 8 through 11 says. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me. It had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. You see, today on Mother's Day, parents, I want you to hear this. Your emotional, sinful decisions in the moment have great consequences for your children. As a pastor, the, moment, the decisions that I make in great stress and great distress don't just affect me and my family and my children, but they affect you. And what Jesus says is, is greater the sin of him who brought me to you. You see, friends, whatever is going on in your life today, whether it's health, whether it's emotional, 
whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, God has allowed it. But friends, that doesn't give me or give you a license in the stressful, difficult situations of life to lead other people into sin because of us. And so we see here that Saul was in dangerous territory. Second thing I want to show you this morning is, when we come dangerous to ourselves and those we love, our view of God and His will becomes distorted. When we become dangerous toward ourselves and those we love, our view of God and His will becomes distorted. Look what it says here in verses 41. Starting in verse 41, it says these words. Therefore, Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Now I want you to hear about this. This is not an enemy telling their defeated component or a combatant that you're going to die. This is a father telling his son, you are going to die. You're going to die for what you've done. And friends, I want you to hear this. There are times in the Bible when people sin and God removes them. There are people in the Bible when people sin that God judges them. But in this case, the only thing Jonathan was guilty of was being a child of Saul. And Saul's rashness and Saul's carelessness and Saul's emotional outburst had put Jonathan in a position where tasting a little bite of honey would cost him his life. And did you hear what Saul says? <laughs> you deserve it. I hope God does that to you and more. You see, in this moment, Saul was so worried about the fact that everybody knew that God wasn't answering him. Saul was so angry at the fact that the people had got in, into sin. He was so distorted in what he thought was right and wrong that he was willing to put his son to death. And friends, I want you to look up here. When your heart is wrong, or your heart is hurting, or you have been betrayed, or your emotions are out of whack, it will distort what God says in His Word. You can know what the Bible says, but when the pressure's on, the stress is on, the situation's difficult, it won't matter to you at all what God's Word says. You can make it say whatever you want. As a, a movie from years back, and it's not a movie that you should watch, it's a gentleman who was very, very large in this movie, and he makes this statement. He said, I'm unhappy because I eat, and I eat because I'm unhappy. It was this cycle of, 
I'm unhappy so I have to eat. But I eat because I'm unhappy with myself. And friends, when you are in difficult situations and when life seems to surround you and when you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put them on yourself and God begins to to allow you to hinder what He wants to do in your life and you begin to come into a sinful place in your heart, whether it's unforgiveness or bitterness or, or depression or discouragement or whatever it is, in those moments when we're dangerous to ourselves, the will of God and the Word of God don't matter to us. And friends, that's a dangerous place to be. You see, Saul didn't ask God, Lord, what do you want from us here? Yes, they cast lots. Yes, they cast lots and God revealed who the person who broke the oath was. But it wasn't God's oath. It wasn't God's commandment that whoever eat of this should die. It was Saul. And listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. If Saul's heart was right with God, this is what he would have done. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Love is this. I'm willing to lay down my life for you. Friends, I'm willing to die for my children. If it comes down to me or them, I'm going to do whatever it takes for it to be me instead of them. Same thing for my wife. You say, not me, Jake, that's not my job. Then you are sadly mistaken. I hope that I would have the courage to die for you. I hope that. I pray that. Why? Because Jesus demonstrated his love for us by what? Dying for us. If Saul's heart had been right as a father and as a parent, he would have said, Lord, take me. It it was my rash oath. It was my pride. It was my stupidity. It was me, Lord. Don't take Jonathan. But listen to how warped his view was. Take him, Lord. Deal with him. Destroy him. Friends, I want you to see that how God can change your heart and how he can change mine. In the book of Genesis, there's a story about a young boy by the name of Joseph. And his brothers were extremely jealous of him. They were jealous of his relationship with his dad. They were jealous of the, of the, of the coat that his dad had made for him. And so his brothers threw him in a pit. They wanted to murder him. They sold him into slavery. They thought that he was dead. But later on, at the end of the book of Genesis, something happens. The children of Joseph come to Egypt. And Joseph says, I'm going to keep your youngest brother, who your dad didn't want to send. And you can go back and tell him. And I want you to hear how a brother's heart had changed from destroy him, kill him, to I will take his place. In Genesis 44, starting in verse 30, Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, 
that he will die. So your servant will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrows to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now don't miss this in verse 33. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? Lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. Do you hear this brother? He says, take me. Make me a slave. Don't, don't do this to my father. Don't do this to our family. Take me. You see, friends, when God demonstrates his love toward us, it allows us to demonstrate his love toward others. And so you see, Saul, when the pressure was on, and everyone noticed that God wasn't answering his prayers, that God wasn't hearing from him, when the situation got difficult, he allows this difficulty to distort his view that says, Lord, kill my son. Now, you might be saying, well, Abraham did the same thing. He was being obedient. He was willing to sacrifice his son. And that's probably where Saul was at. Friends, I want to show you that's not where Saul was at. Saul was worried about one thing and one thing only. Himself. His position, his kingdom, his authority. And next week, or in two weeks, excuse me, when we start chapter 15, you will see how God takes the kingdom because of that. But today I want to challenge you. No matter what you're going through, what you feel, what you think, you have to get alone with God and say, Lord, what does your word say to me. Lord, what is your will for my life? Lord, what does your word say about our marriage? How many times have we been guilty of saying things like this? I know the Bible says, but. I know the Bible says I have to forgive Jamie, but he'd only sang two hymns instead of three today. I'm not going to forgive him. I want all five hymns. And he said, oh, that's just ridiculous, Jake. Yes, it is absolutely ridiculous, and it's absolutely not true. I have nothing against Jamie. But how many of us would say that? Oh, I know the Lord says forgive, but I just, I won't. I know the Lord says I'm supposed to love my enemy, but I just won't. I know I'm supposed to forgive my spouse, but I won't. I know that I've had difficulties in my life, and and I know that I should be serving God here or there, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something different with my life. You see, that's how we begin to think when we take our eyes off of the Lord. We begin to look at ourselves and what we're struggling with and what we're going through. And third and final thing this morning I want to show you from this text. We looked at when we don't see a way forward, or a way out, we become dangerous to ourselves. We looked 
<clears throat> excuse me, about how the fact that when we become dangerous to ourselves and those that we love, our view of God and his will becomes distorted. But I want to give you the hope here it is today. When our views and emotions get distorted, God will send people to help rescue us and those around us. Don't miss that. When our views and emotions get distorted, God will send people to help rescue us and those around us. Look what it says in verses 45 and 46. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair on his head shall fall to the ground. For he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines and the Philistines went to their own place. You see, friends, this is the importance of church family. This is the importance of having people in your life that love God. Because if these people hadn't spoke up, Saul would have killed or had God kill his very own child. But God used other people in this state to say, you're not going to let this happen. We're not going to allow your sinfulness, your stress, your difficulty to destroy someone that God is using. And friends, today I want to challenge you to be those kind of people. To be the kind of people that run to hurting people not away from hurting people. To build relationships with people who have got so discouraged that they just want to quit. Be friends with that family whose marriage is falling apart. Be there for people. Don't speak about them. Walk in the trenches with them instead of wounding them with friendly fire. You see, friends, all of us go through the valleys. All of us go through the times when we feel like the whole world is against us. That everyone's out to get us. That no one likes us. We all go through that. We all face situations where the doctors give a diagnosis that it's not well. Where people hurt us and betray us. And friends, all of us want to be the Jonathan in this story. And all of us want to be the people in this story. But I want you to look up here. All of us will at some point be the Saul in this story. You say, oh, not me. Look up here. <laughs> All of us will at some point be the Saul. Whether it's something you're doing at work that's not right, that might cost you your job. Maybe it is the sin in your marriage that no one else knows about. Maybe it's the fact that you've made something in your life an idol that shouldn't be there. All of us can put ourselves in the position of Saul. And so today, if you're at that place where you've just started to take your eyes off God and you've started to make it about you, today is the day to repent and turn. 
Don't wait until you're at a point where your marriage is gone, your children won't speak to you, your, your home is broken, your church is split, your, your life is ruined. Don't wait to that point to then turn and say, Lord, how did it happen? No, it didn't start here. It started way over here when you wouldn't let God deal with your bitterness. When you wouldn't let God deal with your pride. When you wouldn't let God deal with your brokenness. When you wouldn't let God deal with your frustration. When you wouldn't let God deal with it. And then one day you're going to wake up and realize I don't care what God wants for me, what he says to me. It's my life. I'll live it how I want. I'll go where I want. I'll do what I want. Friends, at that moment, you will look around and you probably won't physically murder your child. Or you probably won't physically murder your wife. But you will have destroyed everything. And it never had to be that way. It all started way up here. Just like with Saul. And so Colossians 3 verse 13 tells us that. Bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you all so must do. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his commandment. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your later days. Bear with me for a moment. Yeah, I know that we can all be a saw. Because until Thursday night at 2.30, right here, I was saw. And at 2.30 on Thursday night, right there, I told God, I said, I don't care what you want. <laughs> I don't care what you want for my life. I don't care what you want for this family. I don't care what you want for this church. I want no part of this. That's where I was. I'd even told Jamie on Wednesday night, can I use you as a reference on my secular job application? That's where I was. It didn't start there. It started a year ago when one family doesn't like you and all you do is just consume yourself. And then it's another family. Then it's a mistake here. Then it's an unforgiveness here. Then it's bitterness here. Then it's brokenness here. Then it's discouragement here. And then you find yourself sitting there thinking, I don't care what you want, Lord. It's my life. You say, Jake, I cannot believe you told us that. That is the truth. Right there, 2.30 in the morning. The Lord said, you can do one of two things. You can suck it up, buttercup. Repent and move on. Or you can sit right here and watch your family, your children, this church, your marriage, every bit of it fall apart. So I told the Lord, <laughs> whatever you want. Lord, I'm sorry for being angry <laughs> at you. <laughs> I'm sorry for being unforgiving. Lord, I'm sorry. 
That's the truth. So, if you'll have me, I'll stay. And, uh, no. That's not, that's not what I wanted from you. What I want you to know is this. If you're not careful, you'll be there. You'll think that you won't be. You think that you can't be. But you will be. Some of you might be thinking, Jake, if you're that bad, we need to find someone else. And I won't disagree with that. But I'm telling you this. It doesn't start there. It starts years before. It starts years before. Friends, what I want for you, what I want for your marriage, what I want for your family, is for you to be able to stop it here. Not when you have to call me and say, Jake, we're here. We, we, can't, we, we can't forgive anymore. This marriage is over. Jake, our finances are ruined. I've been fired at work. I, I can't. That's not where I want you to be. Because why? At that point, people are going to love you. I don't, people will love you and your failures. People will love you if you make a mistake. I really believe that's the church that this can be. A church that loves people as broken as God brings them to us. But that doesn't mean that being in the broken place is fun. I would much rather be there than I would be here regardless of the people that are with me. I'm thankful for the people that are with me here. But you know what the blessing about those people that are with you here is? They'll be with you here as well. And so today I'm challenging you. Whatever the sin is, whatever it's hidden in your heart, whatever God has been trying to get you to let go of, maybe no one even knows about it, today, come to the Lord. Find forgiveness and hope and grace and mercy. Because, friends, if you don't, you'll be sitting, maybe not here. Maybe it'll be at a tavern at 3.30 in the morning. Maybe it'll be on the bedside of someone that's not your spouse. Maybe it'll be, I don't know. Don't let it get to that. Today, I believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for your sins and for mine. That he was buried and rose again. And today he will forgive you of whatever sin it is. It's Mother's Day. It's a day about family. It's about love. It's about all these things. Make it really be about that. Get right with God. Get right with yourself and the Lord. Get right with your family, your friends today. Because if you don't, one of these days, you'll be like Saul. Thinking, I don't care who I hurt or what it cost. It's what I want. Don't find yourself in that situation. Father, I thank you for, as always, for just your word. I uh, thank you for how it never returns void. So, Lord, I pray today for this group of people. I pray, Lord, that nothing I have said today has 
been misstrewed, has been misunderstood. Lord, that today, this people, through the power of your Spirit, would hear, Lord, just how broken we could be, but how gracious you are. So, Father, I pray that you would work in this place today. I pray that you would save church members who have been lying to themselves. I pray, Lord, that you would be saving and restoring marriages that are hanging on by a thread. Lord, I just pray that you do what only you can do. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.